This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, I want to say hi to everyone, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's so, it's weirdly imitating. I have not seen an audience in 10 years. So this is like strangely intimidating. So none of this signal, none of this signal, no sleeping, none of that, none of that stuff. Yeah, you got to be, be, be pathologically optimistic through the whole service. So, so a great, great opening song there. And, and, and you know, we're going to talk about that today. Like, I think for a lot of us, right, we, we go through life and we sort of have a system set up. And then the system somehow breaks at some point in time. Could we, could we say that's true is that, and now I get to know that you're actually raising hands as well. You know, and, and that is true, right? Like, like, life is like this, and then all of a sudden, it's not. And it's interesting looking at the story of the Bible, because the Bible is filled with those stories as well. And it's, it's easy for us to read these stories thinking again, and this is for anybody who's here for the first time, or who's tuning on at first time, that, that the Bible's filled with perfect people who knew how to navigate this stuff perfectly. If you have figured out how to navigate it perfectly, please let me know. Because it's hard. It's hard so much of the time. Na- navigating it is really challenging. And more and more, I think it's, it's, it's this surrender thing. Like, how do we learn to actually surrender? And we, and we hear it when we finally hear it. It was interesting, uh, you know, sharing, sharing as we were going through anniversary stuff and going through... Uh, you know, as well, different things with the church, and, and last week was such a big week, and, and you know, I'm, I'm talking to a, to a young person, they've just, they've really loved New Church Live, and they, they were thanking someone, they were thanking actually Kane Lermit, they said, they said, Kane, you know what, I, I really got from you, you know, this, this surrender thing that, that he had said way back when, when him and his wonderful wife talked at New Church Live, and it was funny because I know I've said surrender 500 times in this congregation, and yet, somehow, that was the right thing at the right moment, and they heard it from him. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's so much the way that, that, that life goes, right? That we, we have these moments, and we're, when we're ready to hear it, we're ready to hear it. We've been looking at this book, this book of Romans, and been looking at this journey from Saul to Paul, this, this journey of this, this guy who was a member of the clergy, a member of the Jewish clergy, and, and he has this crisis, he has this vision, and his whole way of seeing the world changes. And he changes his name, he changes what he does with his life, and it's an incredibly powerful story. And what the shift is, it's a real simple shift, we're going to put it up here on the screen. It's the shift of law versus grace. That, that change in our life where I think where we're frankly where we move from what's in our heads to move more and more to what's in our hearts. And that's what I want to, I want to read some for you here today. And, and the language is, is at times sort of challenging to hear, uh, you know, because it's, it's older language. But then I want to pull it apart and like say, okay, what does this mean today? What does this mean today? And this is from Romans 6, starting at verse 5. If we have been united with Jesus like this in death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self, and in the new church we call that our old will, our old heart, heart made of stone, was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from that. And dying again, it's dying to your old will, your old way of life. 
In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. And, and here, folks, like the context, like the context, like let the context get in. These, these are people who are underneath Roman law. So they're deeply, deeply worried about how do we get out from underneath this? And so what the shift is, the shift is away from getting out from underneath that. The shift is away to our understanding love and grace and peace. A whole new way. So, so, so what Paul does here is he essentially says, look, you're living in this particular thing. I'm going to ask you to live over here. Asking you for a brand new way of life. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from things you are now ashamed of? These things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Some beautiful sentiments in there. And, and again, like the context and, and really sitting with what all this means and how it comes together and, and what does it mean to sort of shift our lives away from sort of plans and agendas and the law. Because I think too much of the time we can get totally married to our plan that's on the books. Right? A plan, our law, the way we are sure life is supposed to work. And then life comes along and our plan doesn't match up with life. So we try to sort of force our plan onto life. Now, can I show you two silly examples of that? So as a pastor, I'm always on the lookout for things where I can go like, oh, that preaches. So two of our parishioners invited me over to show me their backyard front fence, and I thought, that preaches. So those are the pictures I want to show you here. Take a look at this first picture here. So this is over to parishioners' yard, and they got a new fence put in. And they obviously had in the plan where the gate, where the people were putting the fence in, had a plan where the gate was supposed to go. Do you see the problem with where they put that gate? Do you see the problem, folks? All right. Little, yes, big problem. Little hard to open the gate when you put it right by a tree. Now, right, that can happen one time, but guess what? It happened twice. Take a look at this. The hedge. Like, just amazing. And I think that is, that is so much the way, folks, that, that, that we can do. We can get stuck in those ways, right? Where we got, we got our plan for how life is supposed to work. We have life, and when they don't go together, it's, it's just hard. Now, it is possible to bring grace and life together. It is actually possible to have lives where we see these things very, very and beautifully differently. I want to see, did we have that picture, Stephen? All right, I want you to take a look at this picture here. This was beautiful. I'm actually going to come off the stage here because I feel like I'm walking in amongst landmines there. I, I, I love that picture. See, law and grace. Paul is not saying that this thing called law is evil or bad. You know, I mean, we need to have laws. They're good things. But he's saying, like, grace has to fulfill the whole thing. Now, does anyone, and probably one or two of you do, does anyone know what that was a picture? We could put the picture back up. Anybody know what that is a picture of? 
Anybody know? Pardon? It's prison. It's in prison. So, so there's this group called PAWS, right? P-A-W-S. And it's a, it's a rescue thing for dogs, where they rescue dogs from down south, they bring them up north. So they have all these rescue dogs, but the problem is a lot of these dogs aren't trained. So they need to get these dogs into places where they can train these dogs 24-7. Guess where they found was a great place to train dogs? Prison. Think about that for a minute. So what they do is that they they bring these dogs in, and these prisoners get to have these dogs 24-7, and they have to train these dogs. And they have to train these dogs. Listen to this. There are two goals. You must train your dog to have respect and to be kind. Respect and be kind. Could I get a little amen on that? (laughs) Folks, what's the moral of the story? Who's actually being trained? (laughs) Right? Now, 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 you could get into the argument here, of course, that, well, you know what? This is the law. You did something wrong. You're going to be incarcerated. This is the way it goes. Sorry. Or you can find this grace part. And notice the grace part isn't saying that you're not going to do your time, that you're not going to owe your debt to society, or that you're ready to be part of society yet. But what it's saying is it's saying that love has to be that, that key part to all of this, that it has to be ingrained into what we do, that we can't lose track of what the law is for. Here's something to think about. And I'm going to say it, and it's one of those quick things from New Church that, that meant nothing to me until I was probably about 48. Truth is this. Truth is the form of love. Think about that. Truth is the form of love. What does that mean? Well, that means that, that my love has to give rise to what's true. And that means that there are times where I can do things and I can say things that might be accurate but aren't actually true. And they might be accurate, but if it's not coming from love, it's not true. Can we wound people with our words? And you better all say yes. Yeah. Yes! We can wound people with our language, with our words. And can we be totally truthful in doing that? Yes! But it's not real truth because it's not coming from love. I can say something believing that, that here's this true thing that I'm to say. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have to tell you the truth. <laughs> Don't trust anybody who starts a conversation that way. Right? That's not how it works. But then the flip, and this is the second part. Let this get into your souls, my dear friends. Truth is the form of love. And all truth must lead to service. Truth is the form of love. And all truth must lead to service. That's where truth gets its power. When you see that picture, folks, when you see that picture of that dog again, and you see that, that, that what's happening there, in that kind of picture, in that kind of picture, that's truth. That's wisdom. That's truth as the form of love, and that's truth that is pointed out there to service. And that is how we make sure that truth, please listen to this word, that truth is never weaponized. And can we use a little less weaponizing of truth? (laughs) Amen. This is important stuff. 
And this matters, and this, this counts, and this, this is significant in terms of how we, we go about living our lives and, and doing what we do. Now, as the band comes out, and by the way, I have no idea where the band went. There they are. As the, we got a few little things to work out. As, as the band comes out, you know, just, just think about that for a minute. Truth is the form of love. And all truth to be true must gear towards service. Think about what that means. Think about how that works. Think about that basic dichotomy where he's saying, yes, there's law, but more importantly, there's this thing called grace. And I want to talk about what this thing called grace actually can look like in our lives and could look like in our relationships as we learn to live it. Um, yeah, that, that letting go. And you know, what is, what is this letting go? What is this... What is this peace? And I, again, I, you've, you know I love Anne Lamott, and I love how well she says again and again, nothing ever left her hands without claw marks on it. You know, I, I just find that so true. It's so hard to let go. It's so hard to let go of that idea of, of law and, and move to grace because we live in a binary world, and that means that, that means that if I let go of this, that means that all I've got, is, it's, it's like it's this either or. It's not. It's both and. Prisoners serving their time. And raising dogs to learn kindness and respect. It's, it's this both and that I think is so much the trick of our lives. It's, it's not always easy to do. But this is where God is trying to point us. To this line from Romans. This beautiful, beautiful line. Where we're dead to sin, alive to, alive to God. Now, again, I don't lose the historical context. And I don't want to belabor it, but I'm going to. Paul should have written this letter to everyone in that church telling them how bad the Romans are. Guess how much time he spends on that? Take a guess. Zero. Zero. All of us have our rackets where we can make the problem out there and we can write about it and talk about it, blog about it, Facebook about it, the whole thing. And instead, he doesn't put the problem out there. Where does he put the problem, folks? Inside. That this is our problem, these are our issues, and, and regardless of what happens, he's not justifying what the Romans were doing at that time. He doesn't justify it, he's just, he's just trying to get us to live at a higher level, at a higher frequency. And part of that is this beautiful call, and I love, I love the way this call is. If we have been united with him in death like his, we will be certainly be united in him in a resurrection like his. It's reference to Easter, it's very new church. You know, the idea that what, what Jesus went through, again, he went through it sort of at a varsity level. We go through it at a junior varsity level. Uh, but but, that it's, but it's, it's, it's parallel. You know, this, this beautiful piece of, of, of Christianity, like what is Christianity about? It's about death and resurrection. Let's all say that together, right? Death and resurrection. I mean, that's what it's about. It's the whole core of the message. It's not a message that gets away from the messy parts, the death part of life. It's a part, though, that constantly reminds us there's this hope on the other end, hope is love stretching into the future, that there is, there is this deeper resurrection of our hearts that is so incredibly beautiful. I want you guys to really, I don't want to command you, but if you were a student, I would tell you this is going to be on the test, all right? This is going to be on the test. This, this next thing I'm going to share with you could be life-changing. For some of you, it won't be a big deal. For some of you, like, oh, that's boring, Chuck. But for some of you, like people like me, it's huge. I think our job might be to be this. 
I miss my old mic at New Church. <laughs> grounded, not grounded, not rigid. Does that make sense or what? Grounded, not rigid. That we're to find a way. I'm going to come down here. I kind of like preaching down here a little bit today. That idea of grounded, not rigid. And that idea of, of grounded, not rigid, folks, is really significant. Like we have to live in that place of being grounded, not rigid. Think for yourself, like, where do you think your life should be grounded? Like, who could just shout out an answer for me? Where should life be grounded? Somebody said it? Family. Grandkids. Marriage. Service. Like, all these, all these things that we know, like, that's where our life really should be grounded, not rigid. And yet, we can so frequently get away from that and, and get to be really rigid. I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing. I read it once, and I don't have the exact words for it, so my apologies. But it was, it was saying, which would you rather be, a tall tree in a storm or a blade of grass? Which is more likely to survive a big storm like we had yesterday? Blade of grass. Because it is flexible. It's grounded, and it's flexible. It's able to move and shift and change. What's interesting about that as well, folks, when we, when we look at it, is, is, is it, it allows us to see a pattern. It allows us to see things that work in different ways. Now, I want to share with you a story here. I thought that was a beautiful story. It's a story of a young lady. And I'm going to show you her Facebook post here in a minute. story of a young lady. And I uh, heard she had, she had uh, very kind of strict Christian parents, and she decided that she was gay. And she decided it was time for her to actually tell her parents this. So she was deeply nervous about it. Now, you know, we all get to make our own choices in our own families about right and wrong. I'm not here to preach on that. But I'm here to say that there are, there are bigger, more important truths. So I want to flip through what her mom offered here. What we have to do and I think she's going back to this, we have to obey from your heart the pattern. I think there's a pattern here. We have to go back to that pattern. I mean, folks, that is, that is beautiful scripture right there. We all know what the pattern is. The good pattern, the healthy pattern. And this is what her mom said. I loved you before you were born. Why stop now? Heart, heart, heart. Rest today. It's going to work out. Thank you, Mama. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. That's somebody who's obeying the pattern. Now, we can have different positions on it. And, and you know, in a way, it needs to be a, a viable conversation. But is what that mom wrote true, yes or no? Yes. Absolutely. Can you see, folks, can you see truth as the form of love in there? Yes. yes. Can you see truth pointed towards service, towards actually helping? Yes. You don't see weaponized truth there. There's great power in that. And, and the, the, the mom actually, I don't know whether her daughter knew this, but she was actually almost directly paraphrasing a line from the Old Testament, which I love this beautiful piece of Scripture from the Old Testament. And this is what that piece says. Before I formed you, this is God speaking, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Beautiful passage there from Jeremiah. When we live, folks, into that pattern, when we see that pattern, when we're, 
when we're willing to give up our plan. I, I should put it this way. I don't know whether we give up our plan freely. Has anybody ever woken up and said, like, today I'm letting go of my plan? You know, and really meant it. You know? No, not at all. It, God is going to rip that thing out of your white-knuckled hands is what's, is what's going to happen. And it's just what, it's just what God does. It's, it's part of God's job. And God's job is it's, it's this divine providence, this stream that's constantly pulling us to heaven and joy. And God knows, like, you got your plan. That's great. We're moving on. This, this beautiful thing, like God loves you just the way you are and loves you so much he doesn't want you to stay that way. You know, I really think that's how God does God's thing. And we get to have these plans, but these plans will work for a time, and they'll have a season, and then it will be time to move into something else. What happens when we learn to live in the pattern? When we learn to go with the flow, so to speak? I want to share with you a beautiful line from the Buddha that I just love. Take a look at this line. Living from your heart, the pattern. I'm going to have you say the U word there. You will die. Isn't that beautiful? That's so, isn't that so good? Like, life is messy. Got it. It's just a mess. Huge mess. And we can reach this point, Richard Rohr calls it a second simplicity, where we just won't be confused. Because we know the pattern. We know the thing to text our daughter or our son. We know the thing to do that's going to help those who are struggling, who are incarcerated. We know how to use a truth that truly is a form of love. That, folks, listen, it's actually going to return other people to who they are. Kindness and respect. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like, you know, I, I look at those prisoners, it's, it's not like those things are happening with those dogs because it's like, how do you take this person and make them somewhere else? No, it's how do you take this person who has forgotten who they are and return them to who they are? That's what this is about. That's the pattern. That's love. And that's what we celebrate with baptism. In the name of the Lord God, Savior, Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May your lives know great vision. May your lives know great adventure. May you be fed with courage, led by hope to horizons that God will give you. May you feel these hands of the angels around you, cheering you on, supporting you, come what may. And may you find your way in the end home. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace. Dear sisters, such good people, you're now baptized. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 